And a hearty, 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 good morning, everybody. It's Almond in the Morning, and it's Common Sense Radio. Jamie Almond, pleased and privileged to be with you here on this gorgeous Thursday. It's downright balmy out there, for crying out loud, comparatively. So I want to begin with a really trippy thing. From Tucker Carlson, and it is related to Nikki Haley. It blew my mind. And it is about how she's a neoliberal who supports climate change policies, declares that illegal immigration is a result of climate change, wants to monitor people on the internet and everything else. And he makes the case that uh, she's actually... Everything the Democrats actually want. They won't mind if Joe Biden is defeated by Nikki Haley because Tucker Carlson says she's just like them. They're just going to get basically another Democrat. I don't know whether you buy it or not, but it's it's what he had to say. In New Hampshire, it's not going to take a lot of those. New Hampshire has an open primary system, and that means that non-Republicans get to help choose the Republican nominee. Next week, estimates suggest that 40%, maybe more, of all primary voters in the Republican primary will not be Republicans. So who will they be? Well, they'll be liberals, like this one. Yeah, I'm still undecided on who I'm voting for. I'm a Democrat, um, but I think... Uh, I think Biden's too old to be in office, and I watched the Republican debate, and I think Haley, I definitely don't agree with a lot of her platform, but I think she has a lot of momentum behind her, and I think she's much more capable than both Trump and Biden. You mentioned that you're a Democrat, (laughs) said Joe Biden's a little bit too old. If it came down to Nikki Haley versus Joe Biden, which way would you lean then? I think I'm still undecided on that. I definitely agree a lot more with Biden's platform, but I think Haley's more capable of the job. That poor girl. She'll be embarrassed by that tape at some point. But she went on in in that video to explain that the issues that she cares most about in the world are, quote, climate and transgenderism. So that's where she is politically. And if Nikki Haley wins the primary next week, it will be because of people like the woman you just saw. They are the real Nikki Haley voters. Now, if Nikki Haley wins or even does very well in New Hampshire, it'll be a big story, of course, and we'll hear a lot about it. But then what happens? It's a long primary process. New Hampshire is just one small, heavily wooded state out of 50. Will Republicans in other states back Nikki Haley too? Will she win a string of these? Well, they're not going to vote for her voluntarily. Haley can only become the Republican nominee if Republican primary voters have no one else to vote for. So the plan works like this. Ron DeSantis drops out after losing a few contests in a row. He simply runs out of money and has to head back to Florida. That could happen. And at that point, liberal donors swing as a block behind Nikki Haley, giving her bottomless resources. That's already happening right now. And then critically, Donald Trump goes to jail. And that could happen, too, to be honest. And at that point, bam, Nikki Haley wins the Republican nomination by default. Now, it's not a foolproof plan. A lot could go wrong. But at this point, it's the only plan. It's all that Democrats have. 
Joe Biden is going to have a very hard time getting reelected, much less serving another term. It's impossible to imagine that. Yet the party cannot replace him because that would leave Kamala Harris, who is even more unpopular than he is. Because Harris is a member of the new master race, she cannot be booted off a presidential ticket. She must be shown maximum respect at all times, no matter what she says or does. And so that means the Democratic Party is stuck with two fatally unpopular candidates. It's their doing, of course, but it's a massive problem. They can't get out of it. So their only option at this point is to run a Republican who has the same views as Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And that is exactly what they're doing right now, no matter what they tell you. And that candidate's name is Nikki Haley. Crazy theory or not, he makes all the sense and makes his case that the reality is the Democrats ultimately aren't really going to care if Nikki Haley not only becomes a nominee, but then even president for that matter, because she's the uniparty's choice. She provides really no contrast at all, maybe fiscally, but not that much. We know how all that goes. So we'll see. But if they can get rid of Donald Trump, that will be their fantasy, in my opinion, both on the Democrat and on the Republican side. Mark my words, people. Mark my words. Happy Thursday. It's Common Sense Radio. Almond in the morning. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. And he's back down in Jefferson City fighting the good fight for true American values such as lower taxation. And Bill Eigel, who is also running for governor, Senator Bill Eigel is back at it again, trying to hold other Republicans accountable and make them true Americans by going along with him on the rolling back of property taxes. Lots to cover right now, including the fact, uh, you know, and a lot of us, most normal people don't really think about money raising and that kind of thing. But it still remains a bellwether for interest and, and and also enthusiasm, and so far so good for you, man. How you doing? Hey, good morning, Jamie. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great, but I got to tell you, it's it's a full time job holding these Republicans accountable down here in Jefferson City. I mean, they're they they keep me on my toes because they're continuing. They just want to grow government. They want to raise our tax burden. They want to do nothing that they promised in campaign season. It's a full time job holding their feet to the fire, man. But I'm enjoying it. Life is good, and the campaign is going great. Yeah, it's interesting how I, I saw like a headline in the post and some other ways. They act like you're annoying, like you're coming back. You're, you're just bothering people with your dumb little property tax rollback thing. What's wrong with these people? Yeah, I tell you what. So we heard the uh, the personal property tax cut bill in committee yesterday. Uh, it was my set, mine bill 733. Uh, it would completely get rid of personal property tax in the state of Missouri. And I, I tell you what. We had all sorts of municipalities coming out of the woodwork saying, my goodness, what we won't be able to provide services anymore if you give the people of this state even $1 in tax cuts. And yet, uh, the if, you, if this bill to get rid of personal property tax went to the people, went to a vote of the people, uh, it probably gets 80 to 90 percent support. So it's incredibly unpopular with people. And actually, you know, Jay Ashcroft actually came out last week and said uh, he was a, he admitted he was opposed to cutting personal property taxes at the state level. And I think that had a lot to do with why when we reported our quarterly reports on fundraising, 
Jay Ashcroft had an abysmal report yesterday, hardly raised any money. In fact, he lost money last quarter. And the reason he's losing money and the reason nobody's responded to his campaign is because he's against cutting personal property tax. He's against prohibiting uh, foreign countries from buying our land uh, in this state. Or he's against prohibiting, yeah, he's against prohibiting countries from buying our land in this state. And folks are saying, wait a minute, he's just another establishment guy. Who else is out there that's going to hold these Republicans accountable? I'm that guy. We're going out there saying we're going to be a leader in this country. The message is resonating. We beat both Mike Kehoe and Jay Ashcroft on our fundraising report. And, and we did so with, a, with an average donation. Listen, Jamie, we did so with an average donation of $19. We raised over $600,000 at an average donation of 19 bucks, which means that actual everyday people are raising their hand, putting in 5 to $10 at a time, helping me get my message out. That's how powerful my message is, and that's why it's going to completely take surprise all these swamp creatures down here in Jefferson City that are telling folks that Bill Igel doesn't have a path to win. He can't win this race. Nobody's going to be more surprised on the night of August 6th than all these folks down here in Jefferson City. Yes, and all these squealing piglet municipalities who don't want the property tax rollback, it's mainly because they're going to have to budget. I was like, well, yeah. it's like, well, we're going to have to budget now. It's like, yeah, you're going to have to live like the rest of us live and figure out ways uh, where you're going to cut spending, do this, do that, do what every household in Missouri has to do. Yeah, you know, this these difficult economic times that we're in, you know, the Bidenomic uh, era that we've entered, uh, as difficult as these times have been for everyday Amer uh, Missouri households and American households, it's been great for government. I mean, if you look at government revenues, they are through the roof. Government's never had more money than it has has, has right now. Jefferson City has a multi-billion dollar state surplus. Local government, uh, the, the municipalities that came in and testified against the personal property tax cut yesterday, one was the Cottleville Fire Department, one was the O'Fallon Fire Department, uh, one was the uh, St. Charles County Ambulance District. I asked all three of them if they were at record revenues right now. If they had ever had as much money as they have right now, and they admitted they've never had as much money adjusted for inflation that they have than they have right now. And in spite of that, they still weren't willing to consider any kind of cut to their to their budgets, which would require them to actually get their finances under control. And by the way, Jamie, I love our firefighters. I love our firefighters. I love our ambulance. I love all of our first uh, first responder personnel. But I'm kind of at the point where I don't know that I'm going to take tax policy advice from them. I think that I think that we need them out there saving lives. But we've got to get the finances of this 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 state under control or Missouri is going to continue to stagnate. And you know what? It's a brave position because it is a very alluring, this idea that you want to always be supportive of law enforcement and of our first responders. And that's great. But the first responder community should not be extorting money from taxpayers. Uh, and, and that's just a matter of fact. And actually, instead of blaming someone like you or others like me, they ought to blame their badly budgeted municipalities and everything else that actually could probably have more money for them if they would just simply find a way to be able to distribute it in a, in a better manner. I mean, let's face it, all throughout the country, the only industries that ever grew, even during COVID, were pharmaceutical industries and government. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, you know, the, the conversation about personal property tax, you know, I've said this before. The conversation about personal property tax is not a conversation about whether or not we can and should fund those public services 
uh, which most every rational Missourian believes is important. Our schools, our fire departments, our police departments. It's not that. It is a discussion about whether or not charging somebody rent on their car every December 1st, which hammers working in middle-income class households, is the right way to go about it. Now, 29 other states have already figured out that the answer to that question is no. We, that's not a good way to do it. And they have, I tell you what, the 29 states that don't have personal property tax, they have schools. They, they have fire departments. They got police departments. Yeah. They're funding those services. They're just not doing it in a manner like we are, which is just crushing and suffocating our communities when we punish someone by charging them five or $600 in order to be able to retain ownership from government of a car that's six or seven years old. So uh, we, we, we talk, uh, there's a lot of reasons why Missouri is falling behind the other big red states in the country. You know, we talk all behind the Tennessees and Texas and Florida's. Well, guess what? You know what those states don't have? They, they don't have personal property tax. We need to be imitating those policies. And I tell you, Jamie, if the day dawns that I'm the governor of this state, we will have paid our last personal property tax bill. That is my promise, my commitment to the people of the state. We are getting rid of personal property tax. I'm going to lead the Republican supermajorities to that type of policy win in this state. And, the, and Mike Kehoe and Jay Ashcroft have already said on the record they're not in for that. They're not going to fight for that. So if folks are to asking themselves, do you want to get rid of personal property tax? I'm the only guy that's offering and willing to be a, willing to give a commitment to get rid of personal property tax in the state of Missouri. I'm the only one. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad. And are you eventually I guess eventually we're going to have to have a list of the Republicans who are opposed to this and, and then ask them why. And get right down to the ground here on this because uh, they're going to have to be exposed. And, uh, you know, I, I have to tell you that uh, I'm sure you know how some Republicans talk behind your back, right? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I mean, yes. I've, <laughs> been, I've been at affairs where uh, some of these lawmakers are all because they're scared of you because they don't want to have to work hard. They don't want to have to do the hard work. It's the same thing uh, that, that happened with Donald Trump. A lot of Republicans didn't like him, mainly because he made them, he made them work, you know? And, 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 and I think a lot of these guys are like, yeah, that Bill Igley, you know, he's just, he's just divisive. He's just this, he's just that. And, and so there's a lot of people who talk like that down there, and that's a disease, Mm. Yes, uh, it, it is. That is that is the swamp talking. And, and the reason they don't like me is because I'm pretty bold about calling them to account. I'm pretty bold about when they take bad votes, when they betray their constituents by voting for things that they said they wouldn't when they were in campaign season. I tell people I name the names. And when you shine a light like that on the swamp, the swamp doesn't like it. And that's OK. You know, for I've been down here seven years now. This is my eighth year in the Senate. And I've had uh, all sorts of jabs and arrows and, and slings thrown my way. And I'll tell you what, uh, when I'm the governor, I'm going to be prepared to take the slings and arrows and bullets that will come my way on behalf of every one of the six million Missourians who are suffering and struggling right now to make ends meet because of things like personal property tax, because of things like income tax. We're going to actually we're going to stop thinking about what can we do to benefit government? And we're going to start asking ourselves what's going to benefit and prosper this state. Imagine if we had a governor in this state 
that was boldly taking on the issues of the day, whether it's personal property tax, whether it's stopping foreign entities from buying our land, whether it's pushing back on Joe Biden's Washington, D.C. Well, actually, that's only going to be a little bit longer because mm -hmm. Donald Trump's going to win the next election. But you know what I mean? There's yeah. always going to be bad actors in D.C. that need to have some pushback. Imagine if imagine if the governors of those other red states suddenly woke up and they turn their TVs on and they see Missouri leading the way and they're saying to themselves, what can we do to be more like Missouri? Uh, a couple of years from now, I want candidates in Texas who are running to be the governor there to say, well, I'm going to be like Bill Eigel in, in Missouri. I'm going to be like the state of Missouri. We're going to follow. We're going to be like them. That's the vision. That's the that's the future that I'm talking about. And we can get there. And the only thing we have to do is not buy into this message from the swamp that's coming out right now saying he, a guy like that can't win, a message like that can't win. And if we are willing to not be afraid of that, then we're going to surprise the swamp and they're never going to see it coming. Let's go, Missouri. Yeah, I mean, listen, Republicans, take your floorshine loafers off and put some boots on for once in your lifetime. Gee whiz. Exactly. And, and I think folks are, folks are so desperate for that type of leadership, that bold conservative leadership that they, you know, we're seeing this in the polls, we're seeing this in the fundraising, the everyday fundraising. And again, I'm not getting big checks like Mike Kehoe is. I'm getting the every $10, $15 checks that mean more to me than the $100,000 checks that Mike Kehoe is getting. And we're going to have enough money to get my message out. And my message is going to absolutely, it already is crushing the other two, but it's going to deliver a surprise that they've never seen before. We're on our way. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, so, so when is is the bill already introduced? Like, what's the what's the trajectory of this measure? So, the uh, personal property tax. We heard it. We actually heard it in committee yesterday. Okay. Uh, so, unfortunately, I don't believe the votes exist in the committee because uh, we don't have sufficient Republican support to vote a full, complete elimination out of committee. Uh, we'll probably look to get something done out of committee and bring it to the Senate floor, see if we can pass it out to the Senate, or excuse me, pass it out to the House. Uh, there is no reason why Republicans shouldn't pass the full cut. But unfortunately, I don't know that right now there are enough Republicans willing to vote for a full cut, uh, and that's very frustrating. But our intention is to do something on personal property tax this year. Whatever we get, whether it's some or all of it, we're going to have more, we're probably more work to do uh, come next year, and that's where we're really going to show leadership. So, uh, real quickly, and I hate to to to, to sound like I'm, I'm I don't understand this, but so why? So the committee, uh, there's no reason why the committee shouldn't at least give it a chance to be voted on by the Senate, right? Hundred percent, yes, hundred percent, absolutely, I agree, hundred percent. Unfortunately, uh, we have uh, individuals on the committee. It's in the Economic Development and Tax Policy Committee uh, that don't want to cut the tax at all. Uh, so, uh, they're going to derail it. Uh, I think, uh, Senator Lincoln Huff once again is on that committee. He's not going to support that tax cut. And I don't think that, uh, Senator Carla Esslinger is going to support a full tax cut either. So, uh, those two votes along with the two Democrats on the committee is enough to derail it in committee. So, you know, there are three Republicans that will support it. Myself, Senator Hos Denny Hoskins, who's running for secretary of state and Senator Travis Fitzwater have all indicated we would support the, uh, the full cut, but, uh, there's just there's too many moderates, uh, too many moderates and Democrats on that committee to get it out in its current format. So uh, it's very frustrating. This is people want to know why uh, I'm loud and bold. It's because of this reason. We can't get a major tax cut even out of the committee. We can't get a major that's, tax cut out of committee in a supermajority mm, Republican Senate. Yeah. That's, that's outrageous. That That's so, just them, them burying it because they're afraid it's actually going to get 
a vote. And Lincoln Huff, I mean, from down there, Green County, Springfield, which is has deteriorated into a purple uh, monster as opposed to a red one, I think, right? He's from that area, right? Yes, he sure is. I tell you, you know, the CPAC scores, uh, our friends over at CPAC, they do the National CPAC Conference. They publish our, you know, state legislator vote scores every year. Uh, the, the Freedom Caucus folks always do very well. I got 100%. I was the most conservative senator in the, in the Missouri Senate this year. Lincoln Huff is the most liberal Republican. In fact, he's so far down there, he's almost even with the Democrats uh, in his voting score. So when we say there are rhinos, there are definitely rhinos out there. Chief among them is probably Lincoln Huff, uh, who continues to try to move the Republican caucus to the left. Wow. That's just that's rough. It's all the same. Always the same names that pop up. Uh, always the same names. <laughs> it, it, that, that's <clears throat> why that this town, Jamie, this town needs a reckoning. And I, I've been talking about this. They need a reckoning. They need their apple carts kicked over. The process is going to start this summer, and we're going to start taking this back uh, in August sixth of this year. All right, Bill Eigel, where can people get a hold of you, buddy? BillEigel.com. It's my okay. website. We've had almost forty thousand people sign up on that website. So. If you want to read about my platform, learn more about it, check out the website, BillLigel.com. All right, thanks and good luck, and let's keep in touch over this uh, property tax thing, and let's start uh, burning some huts. I'll do it for you. I'll go down there. I love it, Jamie. Have a All great right, morning. Okay. Happy New Year. That sounds good. Happy New Year to you, too, as uh, Bill Eigel. Yeah, I need to get down. I need to get back down to Jefferson City at some point. Hey, Jeff, thanks for calling into the show. How you doing, brother? What's happening? I'm doing well, sir. And boy, I'm doing well. Not, not too much. You know, I was uh, a municipal employee. I was a, actually a police officer for over 40 years. Um, St. Louis County, uh, a municipality, a large municipality in St. Louis County. Long story short, though, I have seen what what some of these, uh, some of the ruses that go on. Uh, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not anti at all. You know, as I said, 44 years. Yeah. But anyway, uh, the, 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 the fire department, let's take that just an example. We have seen them run these big trucks, uh, pumpers and whatnot to a uh, minor traffic collision. Um, and it, what they're doing is they're showing that uh, they made X number of runs with this vehicle and now they need to replace it. Um, <laughs> uh, two things are going on there. One, they're showing that they're busier than they really are. And uh, the second thing is they're w- w- using their equipment uh, unnecessarily. And uh, I'm just saying that uh, um, I-, I love the fire department, police department. They work hard. They really do. When there's a fire, God love them. But uh, to, to show up at a uh, two-car wreck that no one's injured with a pumper is just insane. It clogs the roads up, and it just uh, uses up their equipment. Jamie, I'm going to get off and just, All right, just brother. food for thought on that. Yeah, one. Jeff. Talk to you later, baby. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe the city council, can, the entire city council can decide to skip the trade mission to Orlando this year. You think? Hey, Trucker Bill, welcome to the show, brother. How are you doing? Good. Good morning, Mr. Jamie Oldman. How you doing, my brother? Good, man. Where have you been? Man, I've been, uh, you know, I've been fighting my own little battles here. All right. But, but hey, you know, God God prevails, brother. You still on the road? No, sir. Uh, after my back injury, I've had to give up trucking after 31 years. Oh, bummer. Hey, man, listen, I, when I was hey, up it's, in... It's okay. It's yeah. okay. I value the quality of life over money any day. Right on. When I was up in Des Moines uh, and we, we traveled to Cedar Rapids to see Vivek Ramaswamy speak, and I, I took that highway, I think it was 80... Dude, that they, they yeah. had they had that um they had that blizzard I think that Friday. We were driving yeah. and it it looked like a 
semi-truck graveyard. My goodness gracious. I mean, these trucks, there, there were, I must have seen a hundred of them just basically buried in the snow. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you seen that, brother, I, I know I know you had to say a prayer. Oh, yeah, because some of them still had their hazards on. I was trying to figure out, like, how did these guys, who came and got these guys? How did they just get out of there and everything else? It was, it, it looked like Thunderdome, man. It was crazy. Not to mention the cars. And then some of these, well, some just of these think semi- heaven that Just thank heaven that them truck drivers that get stuck out on the road like that, Jamie. Thank heaven that technology has advanced far enough to where they have what's called a power pack on there that operates their heat and electricity. Oh, okay, good. Because, I mean, yeah, and you get trapped out there, and, and uh, you know, they, they were, uh, they were uh, these, uh, some of the semi-trucks, so, so we were driving towards Cedar Rapids, and some of these semi-trucks yes. were, were actually facing us as we were driving, yeah. so yeah. they must have jackknifed or something. Around. But, man, it was yeah. unbelievable. Well, you, you're talking about taxes, Jamie. Now, jump in and correct me if I'm wrong. Each municipality gets a certain amount of government-funded money according to their operation cost, right? Yeah. So that that operation cost includes things like first responders, uh, trash pickup, road maintenance, whatnot, right? Yeah, I, I guess, yeah, some ways. Okay. So now you see these municipalities telling people that they have to pay for this outside source I mean, this is just something simple to show. You have to now pay an outside source to come pick up your trash, even though your tax dollars are figured in for that trash pickup and the operation cost for those those pieces of equipment to pick that up. So where has that money gone? Uh, who, who knows? All that operational I mean... cost for sanitation, where's that money gone? Yeah. Yeah. Why are we paying for our own trash pickup? That's just something simple. That's what fifty to seventy dollars a month that a household could keep in their home. Yeah, you just throw it in the media. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I, I agree. And, and, and here's the thing: uh, if you you can, there are a million ways you can cut costs. Does the mayor have a car that's paid for? Why does the mayor have a car that's yes. paid for? Why is the mayor yes. driving yes. around yes. in a city funded car? Is 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 the chief of police riding around with a credit card that we pay for? Yeah, I mean all of that. You know, so I, yes, I, but but they they never check that though because they don't live like we do, and and they always no, they no. always have an unlimited amount of money in front of them, and 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 that's what they do. That, that was the one problem with the income taxes created this limitless, bottomless pit of money that they all dip into, and then they become addicted to it. Um, and then when somebody wants to, I mean, I'm telling you what, how many times have you seen, and the news media doesn't even care about it. How many times have you seen the headline, uh, about, well, how much will this tax cut cost the government? Now you've got to be like twisted, mentally ill to think about the world that way. Right. And, and my thing is, Jamie, back to brass, brass tax. The government does not have a job. They are not employed. They do not earn money. They steal it from us. Well, they don't, they they don't, they don't create line, jobs, they uh, jobs. They don't create jobs, and they don't create wealth. So no, no, basically they, they're they useless. Create, they, they create minimum wage paychecks for people to struggle even worse. Yeah. 
And yeah. then they want to step back and claim that they've created something. <laughs> or yeah. jobs get shut down, and then after a scamdemic, jobs come back, and they want to say that they created those jobs when all they did was return. Yeah, right. Exactly. I'm uh-huh. with you. All right, Trucker Bill. Well, glad to hear from you, brother, man. Brother, I love you, Jamie. It's been a while. I love you. Keep on marching, brother. I love you. All right, buddy. I love you, too. That is Trucker Bill, uh, who is off the road but still uh, loving life. Yeah, these guys who, uh, these municipalities, and and here's the reason, though, why it's also a corrupt system. I guarantee you, and I'll look it up myself, look at Senator Lincoln Pansy Huff's campaign contributions, and I guarantee you, it's chock full of public employee union, firefighters this, association of municipalities that, who are dumping money into his campaign. That's why it, the system of this kind of taxation is corrupt. That's why Scott Walker in Wisconsin completely got rid of collective bargaining and everything else and cut the public employee unions off at the knees. Because they were negotiating with uh, with municipalities and with, and, and with unions, and they were negotiating with 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 lawmakers who they were giving money to for their campaign. So taxpayers were never at the table, and so Scott Walker went and did that. Oddly enough, he's the only guy that's done it. But I guarantee you, all these Republicans down there who are fighting Bill Igel on this kind of stuff, they are bankrolled by these public employee unions and municipalities. And, and, the, and, the, and the first people to go and squeal like little piglets every time they're gonna, uh, there's going to be a tax cut for you, relief for you, they're the first ones sitting there in the hearing room whining about how they can't budget anything and there's no pushback at all the media never covers it because the media basically is just an arm of the government as it is uh, the the palace guard and that's how it works and i'm telling you what it needs to be blowtorched absolutely your phone calls are welcome on this 314-556-6104 Everybody, it is Common Sense Radio, and a happy Thursday to all of you and yours. Yes, there's always a time when uh, we need to separate the men from the boys as it relates to humor and our own uh, group, you know, and sometimes even conservatives. Uh, don't 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 have a sense of humor sometimes. And uh, this is this is related to the Babylon Bee, which is really pretty hilarious, and usually on our side, almost always it seems. Uh, but but the the other part about them being on our side is they allow us to laugh at ourselves and just kind of blow off a little steam here and there. So. <laughs> Over the weekend, or maybe, or maybe it was Monday. I can't. I can't really remember necessarily. But the Babylon Bee posted a hilarious joke about Vivek Ramaswamy, and it <laughs> it had a headline and, and it, it had a pic- picture, and they, they put like 
it, it was like in a mall, and above the mall kind of doorway, like going into a Dillard's or if those things still exist or what, uh, and it says 7-Eleven, and then it was Vivek Ramaswamy in a 7-Eleven shirt, a green 7-Eleven shirt. And the headline was, Trump promises Vivek an administration position running the White House 7-Eleven. Now, uh, that's pretty funny. Uh, if you kind of just roll with it a little bit, and as you read the story, uh, it's even funnier. And, and keep in mind, I love Vivek Ramaswamy. I mean, I, I kind of want him to be Trump's running mate. So I, I love this guy. And I love his confidence. I love his brain. I love his fighting spirit and his uh, warrior mentality. So this this isn't, I, I wasn't offended by in the slightest by this. Following former President Trump's landslide victory in the Iowa primary and immediate concession by GOP candidate Vivek Ramaswamy, Trump offered an olive branch by promising the billionaire entrepreneur a cabinet position running the White House 7-Eleven convenience store. <laughs> and the whole idea of even having the idea of having a White House 7-Eleven is funny. <laughs> you know, he says, uh, Trump says, I've always said Vivek was a great man, one of the greatest men, to be honest, said Trump during a victory speech. That's why I've graciously offered him the incredible opportunity, a once-in-a-lifetime chance, to run our big, beautiful White House convenience store. <laughs> it's a tremendous, wonderful place. I mean, it goes on and on. It says, uh, under Biden, the White House doesn't even have a, doesn't even have a 7-Eleven. Not good. We're going to bring convenience back to the West Wing. I mean, this is all really funny. Uh, Trump went on to say he'll work closely with Ramaswamy every day when he takes office, stopping by the official 7-Eleven store located in the halls of the West Wing several times a day for a Diet Coke and one of those delicious warmed-up cheeseburgers under the hot light thingies, as President Trump uh, put it. Roller dogs, baby. That's what we're talking about here. Ramaswamy quickly began training for the position, watching official 7-Eleven franchise training videos on how to fix the Slurpee machine and offer fast service ringing up big gulps. <laughs> Technically, I'm really very overqualified for this, says Ramaswamy. So the, the Twitter wound up being on fire uh, over the Babylon Bee, and a lot of it was conservatives who were butthurt by the joke and who, who liked Ramaswamy and thought it was, you know, racist or what have you and whatever. And finally, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy went on the feed, on the Twitter feed in, in, in response, and he said, uh, I'm a survivor. <laughs> well, because all these people were so offended and thought it was so mean to him, whatever, and he joked about it, which is which is classic Vivek Ramaswamy, who uh, one of the other alluring elements of his personality is that he has a sense of humor and has probably gotten stuff like that his whole life. People of Indian descent, uh, for the most part, 
uh, are usually people who have a pretty good sense of humor and and have been there, done that when it comes to a certain level of abuse because they they get it uh, all the time. So it's it's it was really funny, and I and and Ramaswamy's reaction to it. I think was the, was the best part of the whole thing. Speaking of VP candidates, so we know that New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik has been hanging out with Donald Trump uh, in New Hampshire and has been kind of in his circle for quite some time. Apparently, according to the likes of Steve Bannon, she is Donald Trump's number one choice she's she's on the top of the list as a potential running mate what do you think about that we'll talk more about it as the as the show continues we'll also take you to davos switzerland and the unbelievably spooky crazy weirdness of all the euro trash that has amassed at this place it really is starting to get super creepy and I will have an example of that for you. And Becky Noble on with us today as well, as will be Nick Schroer, the great senator from the state of Missouri. All that coming up. It's Almond in the Morning. It's Common Sense Radio. Happy Thursday.